Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. My name is Carrie. I'm Emma. I'm Dean. Yay, we have a third person. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're going to say wheel, weren't you? That's going to be no, awkward. No, actually, I wasn't. <laughs> so, hey, Dean, <laughs> what are you going to talk about today? Well, as you know, we've been promising some lighter affair because it's been pretty dark lately. Um, it's been some things involving people dying and terrible things and doing terrible things to people. Yeah. So we promised some stuff is a bit lighter. We're going to deliver that today for sure, I think. Someone's going to almost die, but I don't think anybody's going to die in this. And it's fun. <laughs> well. It's actually about the Olympics, but a very specific Olympics. Notice I didn't say a special Olympics, but it turned out to be a very special, special. Olympics with a small s because it's the Olympics that very nearly killed the modern Olympic movement. What? There almost wasn't an Olympics any more after this. It was it, it Because it was just so silly? Um, we'll see. Okay. There's a lot of things I that hope wrong it, here. A couple I of things hope in particular. it was silly. One thing in particular was insane and widely condemned and Uh-oh. almost uh, almost killed the Olympics or at the very, much, or at the very least killed that event, which okay. is a major, major event. So As you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Olympics. No, you're not. You're not. Why you're is not? it? I know you're not, but I forget why. why? You know, uh, uh, there... There's a lot of hyper-nationalism yeah, and, yeah. you know, competition. It's funny because the, the original, the in what the person who founded the modern Olympics, he didn't think of, the, you know, they weren't counting medals by nations for the first several Olympics, really. Oh. That, that actually, you went, the Olympic it Committee was, later went back in time and said, okay, those medals were these, these countries. I mean, they kind of did, but not really, not like they do now. So people were mostly competing for themselves, More not or necessarily less, yeah. representing I, I, I their country. I think early on, yes, I think early on there were nations, you know, helped out and organized and things like that, but yeah. nothing like it is now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's, it's not very egalitarian, I don't think. You know, depending on where you happen to live, is you get a whole lot more resources oh, for sure. to be an Olympic athlete than others. So yeah, yeah, you that's know, true. I care mostly about fairness in this world. <laughs> that she does. The Olympics aren't fair. Well, at the very least, they're fair unless they're judged. That the the winner does win, and you can you can actually ass- assess someone. Sure, but there's the, a lot that leads up to. The, the moment of that one game or that one competition or that one something. All right. So you're going to have fun with this one, Carrie, because <laughs> it's about the Olympics entirely. I'll well, still enjoy that. T- how about this? This will help you. It's about an Olympics that was for shit. Yeah. Okay. It was very badly it was It was the bad Olympics, yes. Okay. It's 1904 St. Louis Olympics. But let's go back before that now. Let's go back to ancient Greece. Just to give folks a little, you know, you remember the ancient Greek. That's where the, the Olympics come from. Yeah. They're Sort of a regional sporting event, but international for the time. But international meant the city four miles away, so <laughs> not quite the same thing. But still, it was international, and it was a pretty big event. And it, they held some of the – I'm going to look it up right now. Some of the events that, that were gone up, went on in the early Olympics were things like the long jump, the shot putt, the javelin throw. They had boxing. They had something called pank ration. Don't know what the hell that is. Didn't bother to look it up. <laughs> they even had equestrian events. Mm. And they had uh, speed racing, too. And, of course, they had wrestling, which was done in the nude. Super homoerotic. Very homoerotic. Also dangerous. Ex- dangerous. Please explain, Carrie. 
Why is it dangerous? Wrestling in the nude, some guy could get his nuts jabbed or something. I'm sure they did jab the nuts. <laughs> I don't think they were allowed to do nut jabbing. I bet they were. But inadvertently. I bet, I bet the parts are flailing around. You know that what? That could happen easily. They have wrestling now with just little, those little, they can those get nut jabbed. It's not, it's not like they they're wearing cups. cups. Yes, they do. They wear cups in wrestling? Yes. I didn't, obviously did not wrestle. Don't they? I don't think they do. I have no knowledge about wrestling, if I'm being honest. Somebody asked Jack. I, I don't know. Hmm. I legit don't know if they wear cups during wrestling. But you're right. Yeah. There's lots of reasons not to nude wrestle with another man, I, in my opinion. <laughs> That's not one of them, but now that you say so, sure, that too. So there were attempts to bring back the Olympics way before the modern Olympics started. There were, even back in the 1600s in England, I, I mean, in a place called Chimping Campton, Chipping <laughs> Campton in England, they had a thing called the Cotswold Games, and they were sometimes called the Cotswold Olympic Games. And they were, I don't think they were very international. Some lawyer made them up and, and had them, not every year, but he had them off and on between 1612 and 1642. The guy's name was Robert Dover. And so, I mean, they, but they were the idea that you got a bunch of athletes together and had a big tournament and did various yeah. sporting events. Or as uh, Mitt Robin would say, you, you did sport. <laughs> yeah. In uh, so, and there were some other semi-international events in Europe and France and things like that. Uh, so sometimes, by the way, associated with the World's Fair, you'd have some sporting events associated with a World's Fair in a given city. And finally, a Frenchman named Pierre Baron, of course, Pierre de Coupertine, he decided, I want to make this a big deal. I want to make this truly international. I want to have tons of countries join. I want to have it be a big, major international event. And his genius was that I also want to have it rotate between major world capitals every four years. So we'll have it every four years, and I'll go from one place to the next place to the next place. The yeah. first was going to be Athens in 1896 in Greece, naturally, Fitting. as an homage mm -hmm. to the ancient Olympics. So in 1894, he formed the International Olympic Committee, the same bastion of, of corruption and uh, <laughs> uh, destroying the goodness that is sport that it is today. Sport. The IOC uh, formed the 1896 Athens Olympics. And a lot of people wanted to hold it in Athens forever, but he was absolutely dead set. Now, we want to make this – I think it will have more staying power if it goes from city to city to yeah. city. He's yeah. for sure right. Yeah. No question whatsoever. And so they did. They had the Athens Olympics in 1896, and it was a big deal. It was very successful. They had lots of, I have the number somewhere, but they had tons of athletes, hundreds of athletes, and more, more importantly, they were from a lot of countries. All the European countries and some other Asian countries were involved in some Middle Eastern countries, came together in 1896. There weren't nearly as many countries then to begin with because they're mostly colonies of France and Britain and other, other countries, but a, lot of, a, a ton of countries were involved, and it was a big hit. Everybody agreed. It's a big deal. It went really, really well. So four years later, 1900, they're going to hold it in London, England, the most important city in the world at the time. And it didn't quite bomb, but it was a little underwhelming. Mm. It just it didn't have as many athletes. It didn't have as much interest. It didn't have much press. Huh. There wasn't as big a crowd. A big it just splash. Yeah, it, it, it made a little bit less of a splash. It's kind of embarrassing. Well, well, you know, they're a little bit low-key over there. They probably didn't I, I don't think hype why. it up as much as they needed <laughs> to. It's not cricket to talk about that ahead of time. Let's not sell tickets. Let's just invite people. No, care. that's not why. It just, it just, you know, this the Olympics didn't have to become this huge, huge marketing business sport juggernaut that it is today. Yeah. Could have easily 
disappeared. And you'd you be happy those, for that. You get you? those corporate sponsorships involved. And yep. <laughs> there was no, yeah, yeah. There was no Ford. It's not. There wasn't <laughs> the official T of the Olympics. Lipton, the official uh-huh. T of the Olympics. No. Foster's Lager. It's Australian for Olympics beer, mate. So in, 19, in 1904, they said, let's go outside of Europe. Where was the place to go outside of Europe? America. The United States of America. Mm-hmm. Biggest, one of the biggest countries in the world, certainly one of the wealthiest countries in the world by this point. An important country. Let's go there. Let's make it truly international. We don't want this to become just a European thing. Let's go to the U.S. And so, they th- okay, well, so where do you hold it in the U.S. in 1904? One of the big cities, right? New York was considered. Philadelphia yeah, New was York considered. Seem very feasible. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no reason. Just well, she adamantly said it's not feasible, <laughs> not, and then adamantly said, "I don't know." I don't in know. the same well, breath, not actual New York City. When New York has well, had them, yes. they Lake Placid or whatever. Sure. It's well, not. that was all winter, and that was never New York City at all. That was New York State. That was nowhere near New York City. But yeah, they I could. Know, have, uh, yeah, I, but the, the Olympics in the modern times have become kind of regional things anyway. The yeah. Los Angeles Olympics in 1984 were all over Southern California, as you recall. Uh, I only recall the one event I went to, and that was in Los Angeles. What event did you go but to? But <gasps> girls gymnastics. Oh. Girls gymnastics. Girls gymnastics. She says. Oh, women. There you go. Thank you. Gymnastics at it, UCLA. That's it was all over. But yeah, no, they're mostly in and around Los Angeles, but they're all over the place. Yeah. And they are today. They're all over the place. Well, yeah. Not but Los Angeles is yeah a lot different. That's it's true. Super spread out, and yes. there's a lot. You know. Yes. Well, they consider New York. Remember, they didn't need that much. Like they would now. There weren't nearly True. as many sports as there are now. No. They weren't. They didn't need well, as many yeah. venues as they do now. So they considered New York. They considered Philadelphia. Chicago won out, though. Chicago was a major city. Mm-hmm. Chicago was not a world capital, but a major city. It had the um, the venues. It had the yeah. the population base. It had the the gravitas to be a, <laughs> a significant event. Here was the problem. At the same time, in 1904. A group in St. Louis was putting together the Louisiana Purchase Exposition. That was a big deal. May not sound like it. It was the centennial, kind of. They were a year late due to some (laughs) organizing snafus of the Louisiana Purchase, where the U.S. bought from France about half the country at the time. And so, yes. A hundred years? hundred years. 1904. The Louisiana Purchase was 1803, so they're about a year late. They're going to do it in 1903. They got a little held up. So it was happening in 1904. It was already ready to go. It was a big, big deal. That Chicago seems was weird. <laughs> right near Chicago was pretty near St. Louis, not too far from St. Louis, and they already had a bunch of sporting events, and and it was the big thing. They wanted to get crowds from all over the world. Now at the same time, there's going to be an Olympics in Chicago. The St. Louis organizers of this Louisiana Louisiana exposition were livid. They're very upset. They didn't yeah. like it. So they used their muscle. They started pulling some strings. They basically went to Olympics and said, we're going to put on our sporting events. We've already signed some big people up. We will crush you. Remember, mm-hmm. this is the time the Olympics, this is only the third right. Olympics. The second one had been kind of a blah. Yeah. It's unthinkable now. But it, Baron Cupertine caved. Yeah. He said, okay, fine, St. Louis. You get the Olympics. You can have it in conjunction with your Louisiana exposition. I'm having a hard time saying the word Louisiana. <laughs> so they said, okay, that's great. They planned for more sporting events. They they added on. They had like five. They already had like some new venues, a new arena, a new course or something like that. So the Chicago Olympics became the St. Louis 
Olympics. And it, again, it became a little bit of an adjunct to this fair. Now, as you know, fairs last a long time. Here's the problem, though. It's probably going to be a, a problem with whether it's in Chicago or St. Louis anyway, but Chicago made it a little bit, St. Louis exacerbated this problem. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to go. The <laughs> really? Russo-Japanese war was ongoing, so there's a lot of world tensions. Mm, so yeah. people were a little bit leery about doing this when there's a lot of world tensions. But more importantly, it was hard to get to. I was going to say, travel would yeah. not be super easy. easy. No, there, you had to go over months in advance on yeah. boats. There weren't passenger planes here. Yeah. There, so the travel was going to be very, very difficult. And then, now if it was in New York or Philadelphia, you you travel across the ocean. That's hard enough. No, you had to travel by train inland for a mm. thousand miles or more. Wow. And St. Louis, even compared to Chicago, St. Louis is more difficult to get to. It turns out you had. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second here. You just had a, a much lower turnout and interest from athletes across the country than yeah. you would have normally had. And Baron de Coupertin, he he made no bones. He again, he was forced in doing it. He basically openly said, "I think St. Louis is a shithole, and I think this is not going to go well." <laughs> yeah. So he was not a fan. So it turned out only 651 athletes came. It wasn't bad. It was actually a lot of athletes. Here's the problem: 523 of those were from the United States. Oh my god! Oh. Another 53 were from Canada. That means only 62 or so, less than 10% of the athletes that took play, took part in the 1904 Olympics were from outside of the U.S. and Canada, and the vast, vast, vast majority from the U.S. It became wow. a, not very no, international. It was not international. <laughs> only 12 nations were represented, and again, by one, two, three people. Right. Wow. So it was the U.S. and Canada, and also there were athletes from Australia, Austria, Cuba, one, we'll hear about him in a second, France, Germany, the U.K., Greece, Hungary, South Africa, and Switzerland. And uh, there was a couple others that were kind of, like there was an Italian or two and a Norwegian that were competing for the U.S., but were not U.S. citizens. And so this actually still, I think Norway still to this day has a lawsuit, or, or not a lawsuit, but like a, <laughs> a claim to the IOC saying those should be our medals. Yeah. Wow. Because those people were Norwegian, not American. It's like they have a couple okay. medals. Yeah. I know. They're not going to let it go. In 1904, I would imagine a lot of the U.S. athletes were not Oh, tons were, but this America. was this was even worse. Yeah, they were, you know, person that had been in the U- U.S. a very short time yeah. were not citizens. Were Norwegians and an Italian. Yeah. There's also one last country, quote unquote, but it was a guy from Newfoundland. Newfoundland was still a British colony at this time. Newfoundland was not part of Canada in 1904. Huh. It wouldn't become for decades more. It wouldn't become officially part of Canada. Hmm. So they, that, that's like you said, this is a International Olympics that was very not international. And because it was part of this exposition, this exposition, it was held over, in the end, 146 days. Wow. It wasn't just a couple of weeks that you have now. Because they'd hold some things early on and then later on, again, they were were sort of associated as the sporting events that were part of this fair. Mm -hmm. And fairs last weeks and months. And so officially... It was supposed to be like a window from August 29th to September 3rd. They're going to hold like track and field events, things like that. They had some schedules where the schedules got wonky and um, they wound up holding over weeks and weeks and weeks wow. and delaying things wow. and things like that. They, they would weirdly, it was at times it's hard to tell what was an Olympic event, what wasn't. It's like, okay, are we counting that? That's like the YMCA basketball team or whatever. Is that are we counting that? Is that considered? They, <laughs> they weren't clear, and some of those events would be held during this same time in these same locations in these same venues. It was really weird. 
there's an Irish sports festival, for instance, and there were some, dem- and they, so they were considered demonstration games, things like hurling and uh, uh, Gaelic football, which are still two Gaelic games. It was like these, these yeah. very much Irish games, but because they held this Irish festival at the time there, it's like they sort of became Olympic demonstration, demonstration sports, even yeah. though they weren't really intended to be. Hmm. So very loose, loose definition of what was the Olympics and what wasn't at this time. But they did have some uh, kind of breakthrough sporting events. So this was the first time that the Olympics included boxing. Oh. It's the first time for freestyle wrestling. Not freestyle? A, I know there's Greco-Roman West wrestling. I don't know exactly what freestyle wrestling is. I, I don't know. You just millions. get in the ring. I think, you just do whatever you want. I, I think so, including like dancing or, or to carry uh, ball jabbing. Just <laughs> ball straight ball jabbing. Full on. Light tap and jazz. She thinks that should be a sport. <laughs> ball jabbing. <laughs> That would be a sport so that would last. Jabs in. That would last one jab. Whoever got to go first wins. <laughs> with what? With uh, rolled up damp towels. I don't know why you're being more specific <laughs> about this, which makes me very uncomfortable. So, I was just thinking what guys do in um, locker they, rooms. Uh, they don't go for the balls. I'll tell you that. That would not be over well. Sure, they would if they could. Oh my God, I know what guys are like. Okay. She, she Karen, knows. Karen knows a lot about men's locker rooms. She knows. I'm sure she she does. knows the rolled up towels yeah, that are she damp. Does. She knows the old guy who stands there naked with one leg up on the bench, <laughs> just letting it swing. Talks to you for way too for long. For a long makes time. Makes direct eye contact. Oh, yeah, he does. That's unkind. You make direct eye contact with him for <laughs> sure. Weightlifting, it was called dumbbells, but it was weightlifting. And there's also <laughs> the first decathlon. I, oh. I didn't know that. Oh, you think that'd be a, a core thing. Yeah. I know this yeah. Is the first in, in Olympics three was the first. Wow. I know. I thought that was back in the, so did I. the olden days. Ancient, yeah, yeah, me too. Swimming events were held in a temporary pond oh. <laughs> outdoors near like Skinner and Wide Down Boulevards in what's now, you know. Wow. St. St. Louis. Infections. <laughs> I'm sure that they sounds whole, like a terrible idea. <laughs> and how can you imagine? Outdoor pond. pond. Yeah. That's crazy. How do they even yeah. know that what a, what a lane was and That's you know so swim dumb. from one side to the other. We have gets their first wins. <laughs> yeah. So there was an American gymnast that had gymnastics there. There's an American gymnast named George Iser. He won six medals. He did yeah. this, and why I'm mentioning this is because he had a wooden leg. Ooh. Oh. He had a wooden prosthetic for well, his left leg. What did he compete, compete in? Gymnastics. Well, but there are lots of different gymnastics. Uh, yeah, events. I don't know. I, I, It probably wasn't rhythmic gymnastics because that's a modern invention and a lame one. And But it was, um, I probably, I'm going to say <laughs> he did the rings. The rings, I guess, the leg thing. Sure. Maybe, um, Palm a horse. Palm a horse. Yep, 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 yep. Mounting and dismounting might be difficult. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, hey, yeah. he did it. Yeah. He was How no, inclusive. It's very inclusive. It was. Frank Kugler <laughs> won four medals. He won uh, them in three different sports. He won in wrestling. He won freestyle wrestling. I think when they say wrestling, they mean Greco-Roman. And they also won a medal in tug of war. That's right. Tug oh. of war was an Olympic event. It was an Olympic event from 1900 to 1920. How fun. Oh. To this day, tug of war is still a part of a thing called the World Games, which are annual, international, uh-huh. not nearly as big as the Olympics, but they're yeah. still held. They're still a big thing. I don't know if they aren't. They get you know network coverage. Tug of war. Tug of war. Was a thing. Hmm. That's crazy to me. Although part of me says, yeah, no, let's bring that back. That's yeah. kind of cool. Let's see some and, people. And it has to be against two countries that are currently like yes. in disputes. Yes. Over, Ukraine like, versus Russia. Yeah. Tug of war. Yeah. I love it. And whoever wins 
wins the international dispute. No. Yeah. Well, I don't so. like that idea. Kara doesn't like that idea. I I think it would fix a lot. Russia would. That's for might sure overwrite, Emma. What? Might overwrite. Yeah. Is that so. really a, the phrase? Um, <laughs> it is I now. <laughs> I think okay. you just coined it. <laughs> you did. The discus was a nail biter this year. A guy named Martin Sheridan and Ralph Rose, both Americans naturally, they threw the exact same distance 39.28 meters oh no the judges said what do we do they said we don't know they said how about they just throw it again yeah so they each threw it again kind of a sudden death discus yeah overtime kind of a thing and sheridan won so they settled that's fair yeah sporty way ray yuri he won the standing jumps you heard that right again all three standing jump events and he won all of them. So you had to stand there and jump as far as you can. Oh. Like that was from standing, from, just jump from the, yes, forward. Exactly. So it'll, it'll be like you know nine feet or something like that. Oh. And he and I, I don't know how there were three different events. Did you jump over things? Did you Probably. jump from your yeah. left foot only, yeah. your right foot only, your both feet? I have no idea. But there were three standing jump events, and he won all of them. He's a good jumper. Good job. There are no longer three. I don't know if there's any standing jump. Is there standing jump still in Olympic sport? I don't know. Not I wouldn't either. be surprised. It might be, but just one. Yeah. Yeah, they also had the hop, skip, and a jump, but they call it the triple jump now. Really? Yeah, no, it's true. You run, you <laughs> jump know. one way, and then you land. How do you do? And you jump another way and land and jump one more, like all in one fluid motion. But right. yeah, so it's basically three jump, triple oh. jump. So they hop, skip, and a jump. I don't know. I do that, think I know what you're talking and, about. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of cool. And of course, the classic, the classic long jump. Okay, yeah. that's what that's called, long jump? Yeah. The raid, we just and- won, yeah, and jump. You know, twenty eight feet. Yeah. They made us do that in high school. Long jump? Yeah. No, I just, hated it. Just it to was laugh really at the kids. Embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. That was the intent. Kids jump into this like <laughs> sand pit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Pee's cruel. So <laughs> they the German swimmer named Emil Rausch won three medals. He was the top medalist for from not in the United States. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Galt Football Club from Canada won the gold medal in football, which is soccer for us here in the United States. But the, the not Canada, the Galt Football Club. I don't know. They just had yeah. Canada probably just sent. I don't know. Let's just send that club. Yeah, they're good, right? They'll do it. So that's who won soccer. Out of nearly 100 sports at the 1904 Olympics, the only sport that allowed women to compete was what do you think? If you think about it, it actually goes back to a famous. Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to give you a hint. It, it, there is a connection to women historically with this event, especially specifically to badass women. Baseball. No. Oh. Why would you even think that? <laughs> League of Our Own. That's weird. Okay. Mm. First of all, a movie, but great movie um, based on true events. Yes, but this was based on a legendary event, a, a legendary people. Of female people. Amazons. Amazons. And what did they do? Oh, oh archery. Oh, archery. But they That's also supposedly cool. cut off their right breast to better arch with um, the women who competed in the Olympics in 1904 in archery did not presumably cut off their right breast, but they did allow women to compete in only archery. That was the only hmm. female event. Connection. my beef with the Olympics. Colla- yes. And there's a connection to League of Our Own through that. Gina Davis was yes. in League of Our Own, and oh, she yeah. is an yes. Olympic-level archer. That's true. Yes, she is. <laughs> true. So I was technically right. 
There were six contestants in the female archery event. Five of them were part of Ohio's Cincinnati Archers Club. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's so weird. That's so like, weird. I don't know. Hey, girls, you want to go up there and be at the Olympics? All five of us? Yeah. yeah. We'll be five of the six people competing. <laughs> Just a wow. local club. Yeah. The 45-year-old Lida Howell, she coasted to the gold. She was like the elite female mm. archer at, of the time. The, Gina Davis's great grandmother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was some weirdness though beyond what's this already been some weirdness. But like for instance, there was some corruption. Like a boxer competed under the name of a more famous boxer to get in and won, and then but he was found out before he can get medals, and he was he was booted out because I think he, otherwise he wouldn't qualify to be right. in there. So no, I'm I'm, I'm that guy. I'm they, Muhammad Ali. They really didn't do like their research or background work. checks. <laughs> they suck. No, they didn't have a lot of background checks then. <laughs> Thirteen runners competed for the uh, 400 meter race. The track, unfortunately, though, didn't have lanes. Oh, so it's just kind of a mishmash. And again, that was literally yeah. like I don't know. I, I did they really all run 400 meters? Right. Maybe not. Maybe, but. It was the St. Louis Olympics. Yeah. So I should have mentioned this earlier. The pond that where the swimming meets were held was asymmetrical. So it was true that some people were racing shorter distances than others. Oh, well, my God. It's like they just didn't give a shit. Yeah. And and like I said, no question, in the laneless 400 meters, no question, some people were running low, low, less distance than others for sure. Of course. I know. So in the tug of war I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. there was also a little bit of controversy because there was the Greeks – there's only two non-American teams, and one from Greece and one from South Africa, and they both lost on the first day. So basically, the medal competition was all all American, all four of the final yeah. were American. And so on September 1st, the men from the Milwaukee Athletic Club <laughs> won the gold medal because they beat the New York Athletic Club. And so they, they got the gold. So now New York was going to have to play the next – to see who gets silver and bronze. But New York Athletic Club said – Screw it. We're done. Yeah. This is dumb. We're going yeah, back to New York. So they just didn't show up. So the two St. Louis teams who are going to vie to beat, to, to play New York, they played each other. <laughs> they <laughs> One got the silver and one got the bronze, which wasn't called the silver and bronze yet. Well, it kind of was. And 1904 was the last time that golf appeared as an Olympic sport. Although, oh. I believe... It's coming back. I think. Did I say that somewhere? That golf is coming know. back as Olympic sport, which I think is awful because it's the if you want to talk about elite sport, that'd be golf. And it's um a waste of water and grass yeah. wherever it is played. I'm not a big golf fan. It's it's awful. So the my, the last in terms of before I, I head on to the non sporting event that became infamously associated with nineteen eighty four, the the last sport I want to mention is the plunge for distance diving event. <laughs> it was the what? last time in 1904 that that was it was there was a plunge for distance diving event. Well, I hope they I, weren't diving into a pond. <laughs> probably, well, I think the idea was how deep can you go? How they proved that and how they measured that, I don't know. Yeah, the- I don't know. I didn't look it up. I should have. Huh. I yeah, wonder if they have. like put like markers. I don't know. Yeah, they certainly couldn't have had you know cameras or whatever with them, no. and no one's diving down with them because these are as far as you can yeah. go. So the plunge for distance, also another Olympic event, I wouldn't mind seeing. I think they should bring that back in tug of war. Plunge for distance, come on, man! I want to see something mm. burst the aerodromes. Yeah. I'm scared of that. People yeah. can like get really hurt themselves, which is why we need to bring it back. <laughs> I don't <laughs> agree. Well, mm. As I mentioned, these 1904 Olympics were held in association with this exposition. 
And expositions are not just sports. Mm-hmm. Part is not even that, that big of a part of it usually. They're mostly showing like, oh, look at these new machines that will revolutionize the world. The egg beater. So <laughs> they had something called Anthropology Days. Oh. Yes. They are They are just as awful as you think they are. James what? Sullivan was the organizer of these in St. Louis, and he was an inveterate racist. Mm. And I in, see where this is going. on August 12th and August 13th, <laughs> they held something called Anthropology Days. And essentially, this was a, a human zoo. Human zoos were things that had been happening for a few decades by this point, I think, mm-hmm. weren't they? Where you essentially had people from exotic locales dress up in their native finest mm-hmm. and just sort of be paraded around. Or maybe or not their native finest, but what yes. some costumer yes, decided would be cool true. and there, degrading. There was a human zoo at the 1889 Paris Exposition. And so James mm-hmm. Sullivan said, that's a good idea. Let's do that here ah. for this expedition that we're oh doing in 1904. And so they got about four. And then there was kind of two events. There was kind of this, this uh, I think there was kind of a World's Fair event at the same time as there was this uh, Louisiana Purchase thing, kind of, loosely. So they had kind of a couple different events. They had 1,400 people at one. And they were from places like the Pacific Islands, East Asia, Africa, the Middle East, both now South and North America. They had them, like, again, in their in their native costumes, almost like you'd you'd see... Like cave people in dioramas and natural history museums today, mm-hmm. but they're living human beings treated like like dirt. Jesus. They had another sixteen hundred that were recruited specifically for this Louisiana Purchase expedition, and they included Native American boarding school kids. You know, these are people who have been stolen from their tribe, yep. forced yeah. into white run boarding schools, mm-hmm. and so they were there to exhibit how well they were assimilating into white society. Oh. So I imagine they said, oh, look, here's how we churn butter. And here's me. And here's here's me sewing uh, something. And hey, look, I'm wearing suspenders and cotton pants and a straw hat and parading for the assemble to go, ooh, look, they're so assimilated. That's so great. Progress. <laughs> so They've always sucked. Yeah. America. But they, <laughs> yeah, they have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they also though, had them do sporting events as well. And some, they, they, I guess, I don't know if they made it up, like they had them do both sort of native sporting events, but also American sporting events. Hmm. The native sporting events were things like, um, hold on one second, let me find it here. Okay, so they had them do things like um, baseball throwing, shot putt, running, broad jumping, weightlifting, and that they weren't really familiar with. They were given mm-hmm. absolutely no training whatsoever. They were completely oh. inexperienced with these. It was intended to show how shitty they were at sports and how how the white man was way better than these everybody else because, look, they don't know how to throw a baseball that they've never even seen yeah. before. Oh, my God. Here, Inuit tribes person, <laughs> throw this. <laughs> uh, you know? Okay. Uh, do a do a broad jump. Do, they had pole climbing though. They had tug of war events. They, they had things like mud throwing. Mm. I think that was intended to show. Look, here's their sports. Yeah. They throw mud at each other. That's because yeah. they're so primitive. They had Ainu from Japan, the non-Japanese wow. native uh, Japanese. They had Patagonians. They had pygmies from Central Africa. They wow. had um, this must have been quite an undertaking. It to was. Get all those it was. People they had here. very, uh, fairly primitive tribes uh, or lesser developed tribes from the Philippines. They had wow. Sioux Native American tribes people as well from the U.S. 
It was no, they they were from all over the place. These human zoos typically did that. They got yeah. people from as exotic as they possibly could to the Western mind and the Western that is mindset. So bad. And didn't didn't human zoos continue? Yeah, well after this, this wasn't time. the last oh, sure. one for yeah. sure. I don't know. We we are going to do human zoos I, eventually. It's on the list. It's yeah. been on, on yeah. our list to it's do for a long time. A horrible, horrible thing yeah. happened, but they were pretty common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen stories about them a lot. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do that. So James Sullivan said uh, he was just Mr. Smug. Said, "See, I told you they're really shitty at the broad jump. They don't know what they're doing." He said, "Quote: The Savage has been very much overrated man from an athletic point of view." So other people said they're you know at the time said this is nonsense. This is embarrassing. This is horrible. Yeah, and, and Cupertine, to his credit, said this. He was disgusted. He said, quote, as for that outrageous charade, it will, of course, lose its appeal when black men, red men, and yellow men learn to run, jump, and throw and leave the white men behind them. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh. Damn, Whoa. Barry. He was not happy with that. Again, they, he basically had to cede his baby to these yokels in St. Louis yeah. who did things like anthropology days mm-hmm. and did the human yeah. zoos. He was, he was not happy with this. He, he just forgot it happened. He, he essentially... For, um, you know, wanted to make the St. Louis Olympics go. Right. Mm-hmm. But here was the reason the St. Louis Olympics have become most famous. It was the greatest marathon since the actual marathon at Marathon many, many years ago. <laughs> this marathon was mar- – the marathon was already kind of a marquee event. At least it was early on. It's now one of the marquee events. Mm-hmm. I think it's the last event that they hold at the Olympics here in, in, in today. I think I, I no might idea. have heard this story before. Yes, you have. I have not. I think, yeah. <laughs> um, it was derived from this heroic feat from a, a runner in ancient Greece. I think it was the, the in 490 BC, the Persians, no, the Greek like allied city-states defeated the Persians in 490. And so they had some guy, his name was Phidipides. He ran supposedly about 26 miles, some people say 22 miles, all the way from, I guess, the battle site back to Sparta, I want to say, and said, hey, we won, and then dropped dead because uh-huh. it was such a heroic feat. It was such a long, he just like didn't stop, mm-hmm. and which is now called a marathon. A marathon. Yeah. Exactly. And although although some, some people say he ran 150 miles, which is not true. That's ridiculous. Or, or, and then some accounts have it more. He was running this distance to seek help for the battle. I, I, I looked at a couple of sources. Of, I thought Marathon was, no, it's not really clear what the hell the feat was. <laughs> at least I read multiple different versions of what happened to give this name of Marathon. And from, but it's, it's, anyway, for some reason, some guy, the Greeks won the battle of Marathon and some Greek guy ran to talk about it. Let's put it at that. Cool. Hence, we have a Marathon. Mm-hmm. This marathon in 1984 was a pretty ragtag group of folks. Some of them were experienced marathoners. Marathon was already a thing. You had mm-hmm. the Boston Marathon that had been around for years. Oh. So, and some people had competed, like the New Yorker Boston Marathon. Again, remember, this is they're mostly Americans. There were a fair number, yeah. though, of foreigners competing in the marathon because, again, that was a major event. But most of them, I think there was a total of 32 or so people ran. A, a big chunk of them were just sort of middle distance runners. They weren't really marathoners, which is very, very different. Going 26 yeah. miles, that of course actually was 24.85 miles. It would later be standardized at 26.2 miles to this day, but the t- it was almost 25 miles, a very long, very long distance to run. Yeah, why the point two? Because they were trying to mimic, I think, the distance that the, the Fittipedes um, ran, maybe, allegedly, supposedly. Huh. I don't know. Okay. So 
some of the Americans uh, had competed and were, were taken seriously, and they were considered favorites. People, people like Sam Mello, A.L. Newton, John Lord, and I'm sure you've heard oh, of sure, folks, of course. Michael yeah. Spring and Thomas Hicks. Others, though, were less celebrated. There was a guy named Fred Lors, and he was a, a bricklayer. Oh. oh. And so since he worked all day, he had to train at night. So he was a self-trained marathoner. I, I should say marathon in quotes because he wasn't really. He had, he had uh, got his place in the Olympics by, I think, placing, not even winning. They had a five or, or a seven-mile distance run in St. Louis before the Olympics to, to have some, you know, hey, you did well on that, you can be in our Olympics for the marathon. So, and there was a group of non, um, non-Americans there as well, some Greeks and um, a very famous Cuban. So here's the, here's the thing though. They, James Sullivan, he was the guy, remember he was the uh, kind of head of the World's Fair, of the, he was the head of the sporting events for this World's Fair expedition, this expedition, exposition, right? Mm-hmm. And so he really, really wanted to, he had some theories. One of this, as we've already found out, was that he was a, a super racist guy and he wanted to have these apology days and prove how great white people were. The other one was that he had this thing that he thought people shouldn't drink or eat during distance events. You shouldn't have any kind Uh-oh. of water, no water whatsoever. So he designed he designed the 24.85 mile race and he gave them two water stations. Wow. At I believe it was at 6 miles and 12 miles and that's it. That's ridiculous. You got no that's the only place you can get water. You're not allowed water any any other times. He thought hmm. water was bad. What? And he thought it would upset the stomach. Oh my god. Yeah. So had he ever actually run a marathon himself? No, he had not. He, <laughs> he was, was a, a doughy, doughy white guy without any, I'm sure. For, for Yeah. Yeah, he had not. And, and otherwise, there was just there were 10 Greeks there because they're they're Greeks, I imagine. There was also two people from the Swana, Swana tribe in South Africa who had been invited there for the Anthropology Days. Yeah. But they were also inserted into the marathon as well, and they ran for South Africa. Those were the last black athletes to run for South Africa until after apartheid. Wow. wow. And it's only because they're there already, I imagine. Yeah. I'm sure the South African government probably, I don't know if the South African government even knew about it. They said, hey, why don't you guys run? Wow. So Ridiculous. their names were Len Tuanyane and Jan, probably not Jan, Jan Mashiani. And they had, and that was their first marathons for both of them. They had wow. never run a marathon before. The, they, they had their training, by the way, they had been message runners. During the Boer War, which oh. went, and there was a big Boer, Boer War. In fact, I think actually, I take that back. They weren't there for the Anthropology Days. There is um, the Boer War was a, was the most famous war at the time. Uh, it, it was eighteen ninety eight to nineteen hundred. It was the last major major war in nineteen from nineteen oh four, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a big deal. So they had this reenactments of famous Boer War battles in the in oh. the St. Louis Fair, which seems weird, weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it is weird. And so they had run messenger. They had been messengers real life in the Boer War. They were reenacting that role for the exposition in mm-hmm. St. Louis, and that's why they were entered into the Olympics, even though they'd never uh, in, as marathon runners, even though they had never run a marathon. Yeah, they were basically reenactors, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> <laughs> who are my favorite character and i think everybody's favorite character from this is a guy named felix Carvajal. he was a cuban mailman mm. that's all he was he considered his route delivering the mail as quote training and so he just decided he'd, he'd been he'd basically taken up jogging and said i'm gonna go to be a marathoner good for him good for him i, I agree so he raised money in cuba for a lot for months before the event 
by by doing like I guess like charity runs, but anyway, to raise money, he got some help from the Cuban government as well, and they sent him off to the U.S. They sent him they on a, on by boat to New Orleans. He was supposed to then he the problem was <laughs> he got to New Orleans and said, "I like dice. What I'm going to do is use this money that I need to to tr for travel and food and lodging, etc." I'm going to win more money because that way I'll have, I don't know if I'm, he's just going to keep it or just, I, I, I'm good at dice. He lost every penny. He was yeah. literally, so he's in New Orleans with not a penny to his name and he has to get to St. Louis yeah. and hang out there. He basically walks at slash hitchhikes to St. Louis, 1904. So hitchhikes by stage, horse, I don't know exactly, but he yeah. more or less walks to St. Louis from New Orleans. Wow. Look, good thing he got there in time. Yeah. The man was determined. Yes, he was. He was five feet tall. Oh. <laughs> he arrived at the day to run the Olympics. I think it was August 13th. We'll find out that it was over 90 degrees. Yeah. <gasps> he was in a white, long sleeved, like dress shirt, <laughs> dark, thick pants, you know, like business pants kind yeah. of thing. Probably wool. A, probably a beret and street boots, just boots, the normal boots he wore. Heavy, thick, mm -hmm. leather boots. So the people go, you're going to fucking die. And yeah. The other athletes. So one of the athletes uh, found a pair of scissors, and at least they cut his um, trousers at the knees. Wow. So you see pictures of him, and he basically has, has cutoffs. cutoffs, but at the knees. They're like yeah. long shorts. <laughs> he's got his boots on. He's got his flowy white shirt. He's got a number in front of him, and he's five feet tall, and he's That's ready to hilarious. go. That's hilarious. It's awesome. In his boots. Still yes, absolutely. So again, they had these. They had uh, six miles. They had, but but the, and and the beginning at least the track was supposedly marked by flags, but it wasn't well marked, and we'll see later. A and by the way, it was in and around St. Louis, right? People don't care. People going yeah. about their business. Yeah. So there's delivery wagons. There's railroad trains. They had, it crossed railroad lines. They had to wait for trains to cross or dodge the trains. There's trolley cars. People walking their dogs. As we'll find out in a minute, feral dogs attacking one Jesus. person. There was just, it was no sense of control of yeah. the route whatsoever. People yeah. going around their daily business. So they had, you know, just somebody be walking in front of them or, or a group, whatever. They had to, to, to walk, run around them or, or, or they had to cross streets as well and wait for traffic yeah. and dodge cars, <laughs> early cars, or at least, I don't know if they're horses, horses and stages by this point, probably were, but, um, no control, just a, yeah. just a, and some people did get lost because oh, it sure, wasn't that yeah. well marked. Also, when they started, a bunch of like a whole bunch of like cars and coaches and stuff like that, and and they had little teams. They'd have like a a, a couple of teams. Some even had like I guess there's like doctors there just in case. But the problem was these horses and these coaches went ahead of them. So they immediately started kicking up massive amounts of dirt and dust, oh, leading God. the way. And it's like, on your marks, go. And they run immediately into a cloud of particulates, <laughs> which is now considered a major health hazard, yeah. as we know. And it's 90 degrees. Yeah, it's 92 degrees. And they're not getting any water. They had two times to get water. <laughs> this is not going to end well, and indeed does not. Oh, my so, gosh. And behind them was this motorcade of journalists and doctors and support people and, and things like that. And so all these all these people were, were kicking up dust and making it very, very difficult to run. But run they did. Fred Lors took out the lead at the beginning, of, but he was edged ahead at mile one by Thomas Hicks. These are a couple of the American favorites, even though Thomas Hicks was the bricklayer. 
at the about 10 mile mark. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Fred Lors was the bricklayer. He started becoming just, he got overwhelming cramping, right? Which happens. Very much so. So he just flagged down a car. They think later on it was his coach. And he said, I'm done. I'm out. Just give me a ride to Francis Field. Yeah. Which is where they're going to end. That would have been me. (laughs) So he was done. The the champion of the Boston Marathon just the year before, John Lorden. He was Irish born. He was American citizen. At least we think he was. And he, uh, he began vomiting brutally. And he walked off the track and he said, I'm out. So he was like maybe the favorite. And he wow. was so exhausted. Again, it, it was brutally hot. Yeah. Very, I'm sure it's very, very humid. Yeah. This is Missouri. And you're kicking up dust. So he started throwing up and he, he was gone. Lin Tao, who was one of the South African participants, he was chased well off the course by a pack of feral dogs. <laughs> oh, my God. He just went after him. So he's literally fleeing for wow. his life from feral dogs. He would later go on, and he would come back to the course, but he was, you know, he didn't run 24.85 miles. Right. He yeah. ran 26. He ran more because he, wow. had to, he had to first flee feral dog packs. Felix, our favorite, Carverhall, the Cuban, he was, you know, trotting in his big boots and his billowing white shirt, but making pretty good time. But he would just occasionally stop and start chatting up people <laughs> <laughs> along the way. Or sometimes he'd try to talk to participants. Hey. How, are you, how are you doing? And he would, to our spectators, and he would stop and talk to him in this very, very broken English. And um, <laughs> one time, he kind of famously, he, a car was driving along and he stopped the car because he saw that they were eating peaches and he was hungry. And, and so he said, hey, can I have some peaches? They said, no, <laughs> you're not getting any of our peaches. So he reached in, <laughs> grabbed two of them, and ran <laughs> in the car. He's my favorite. So he eats his peaches. And then later on uh, near the course, what does he see? A peach orchard. Oh. So he stops at the peach orchard and just gorgeous himself just start eating starts eating peach after peach after peach I, no, i'm sorry i'm sorry i think he i think it was an apple orchard i take that back oh, okay. so he stole the peaches and he stops at an apple orchard and he starts eating a lot of apples unfortunately it was late in the season so they're rotten oh. but he was hungry and yeah, so he eats probably. a bunch of rotten apples and what happens throws up uh-huh massive stomach cramps so what does he do he lays down and takes a nap. <laughs> he is my favorite one. Felix is awesome. So he, so he steals peaches, chats with spectators, steals more apples. They're rotten. Keeps eating them. Lays down and takes a nap. He, he will, he will. We'll see what happens with him. So now Sam Miller, he was American. He was in lead. He also started uh, having severe cramps again. You weren't allowed to properly hydrate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get in terrible stomach cramps. So he started slowing down to a walk. And eventually he just stopped at the nine mile mark. Um, oh, I'm sorry. He, so he stops for a while. He's resting. So people are forced to rest, stop, walk. Right. This is not what we think of as Olympics in these days no. at all. Well, can't they stop somewhere and get their own water? I, I, you'll see later, but Hicks, Hicks was begging. They're not allowed it. Oh. Like mm. Sullivan said, no one is wow. giving him water. So like he, he was begging his handlers for water. And yeah. They wouldn't give it to him. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I know. So Hicks... At the 10-mile mark, he is also – he's Thomas Hicks. Again, he was one of the favorites. He was in bad shape, so he starts asking. He had two of his handlers kind of driving along more or less with him, and he begged them for a drink. They said, we can't do that, but what we can do is we'll sponge your mouth with warm water. But that's it. Not enough for you to drink. That's all you can have. So – but later <laughs> – 
they said, okay, we can do a little bit better than that. We've got this concoction. It's um, egg whites. It's laced with a very small amount of strychnine. Ooh, strychnine, what? as you know, is a poison that can kill you. Yes. In de- decently large doses, in very, very small doses, it was already in this time taken as a stimulant. So in a sense, this is the first time someone had used performance-enhancing drugs. Wow. In the it would not be the last. But so he was given egg whites yeah. with strychnine, with a very small amount of strychnine, to pamp him up and, wow. and get him going huh. back on, on the That's race. intense. And it worked. It was, it was pretty common. It, it worked. Fix also, I don't know if it's secret or, or not secret, but he also had a flask of French brandy. Ooh. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, his handlers had the French brandy, and that was like, but that was like for emergencies only. Break only in case of emergency. <laughs> so they said, you're not ready yet. They wouldn't give him any brandy. So again, I, you know, I don't know how hard and fast it was, but the fact that his handlers said no, no water, yeah. it, that tells me that this was, was some kind of directive. Yeah. 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 So. Terrible. About halfway, Meller is still leading. He's he's leading Newton and Hicks. I'm sure they're they're um, you know it by some estimates it got up as high as 104 degrees that day. Wow! It was just absolutely brutal. That's the worst. At 16 miles, Meller Meller is barely moving. He's cramping horrifically. He thought for a second that he had incorrectly taken a wrong turn. So he's getting somewhat delirious. Yeah, this, mm-hmm. and, and definitely. He's the leader at this point. That mile 16, he's going to lose that lead, though, because he thought, uh-oh, I took the wrong <laughs> course. He did not take the wrong turn. Yeah. So he starts going backwards <gasps> to get back on the yeah, right course. He was not going. So, so he, he hadn't done it. So he's just tying himself out, already incredibly fatigued. He's making yeah. even worse. So Hicks and Newton quickly passed him. A guy named William Garcia, he was from Oakland, California. He was also a, a heavy favorite, or at least someone who was thought to be a, a considered a, a contender. He, I don't know if he was in the lead. Or, I mean, he wasn't in the lead at the beginning, but for some, he got so much of the dirt and dust that it lined his esophagus, and he actually collapsed wow. on the course. He finally, he was coughing and coughing and spitting up and spitting up blood Ooh. as well, and he was... Um, so they later found out he was hemorrhaging. <gasps> if he had been allowed to lay there, he'd laid on the course. Someone, luckily, someone arrived, probably a spectator, yeah. got yeah. there in a car and took him to the hospital and he got medical treatment. Wow. They estimated that if he had laid there another hour, he would have died. Jesus wow. Christ. Yeah. It was all because his the dust had just coated his esophagus. And I guess that the, the particulates had ripped up his stomach lining. So he's coughing up blood. Uh. Why it happened, Why he got it worse? I mean, everybody was coughing yeah. early on. Why he got that it worse, I don't know the answer to that. Huh. Maybe he just breathed in a huge A huge, gust. yeah, maybe so. So he was in bad shape, too. Oh, Jesus. Meanwhile, again, uh, everybody's cramping. Loris is cramping, too. Okay, so remember Fred Lores who got the ride from his handlers to take him back into mm-hmm. the arena. The arena was, or the, the stadium, whatever, was right. Francis Field. They're going to end up the marathon there with the, the, the cheering crowd. He actually got out of the car a couple miles and said, I'll just run the rest of the way. Hint, hint. Yep. I mean, wink, wink. wink. <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint. Either one works, but <laughs> Carrie winked weirdly for both times of this. So... So he had ridden, I think, about 11 miles in a car. So almost wow. half the race, he had, had he had hitched a ride. That's how I like to do marathons, yeah. too. And so he runs into the stadium. like he's and, and one of Thomas Hicks, one of the other favorites, one of his handlers was there already. And he said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I saw that guy get into a car, and he ordered him off 
the course. Lars ignored him and just kept running. And he finished and did the whole crowd and yeah. everything like that. And he finished with a time just under three hours, which would be a really, really good time. The crowd roared. Uh, Alice Roosevelt was there. She was the daughter of President Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. And she was a, a very famous person this time. Yes. Mm. She was the, the she was, it girl of, the, the, of the United States. She of America. She really was. Cute. And she placed a wreath or was about to place a wreath on his head as the crowd yelled, an American one, an American one, which was really, that's yeah. not that amazing. And they were mostly American. They were, I guess, they were just about to give him the gold medal when a witness said, no, 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 no. Stop this now. I saw that guy get in a car. They, they said something like they charged that he was an imposter. And that's not the right word. Yeah. No. But you know what he meant. And, they, and so people explain, no, that guy's been driving for the last half of the race. And, and Laura's just like puts on a little smile and says, I know. I was just a joke. Come I'm on. a stinker. I was just messing around. He literally played it off as I was just kidding. Yeah. I'm just, it, listen, guys, it was silly. I was being silly. It didn't <laughs> land right. Like it's my bad. He would actually, well, he would be banned for life. It wouldn't last that long, but they did not take it as a simple joke. You have to wonder if no one had noticed yeah. what he would have done. Yeah. Oh, he would have gone with it. He Probably. Gone with it. So, so go back to Thomas Hicks. He's got some strike nine and some, some strict nine and some egg white yeah. in his system, yeah. but he is, he is pale. He's barely moving. He's in the last stages of it. He's also in the last stages of almost dying. <laughs> And so his handlers came back to him and said, hey, Lors has just been disqualified. You're Keep in the going. lead. Yeah. Keep going. You're going to win this thing. So they gave another dose of strychnine and egg whites. Oh, and they broke out the brandy. They gave him a little bit of brandy as well. Good, they got good. some warm water and sponged his mouth also. And one person wrote later, over the last two miles of the road, Hicks was running mechanically like a well-oiled piece of machinery. His eyes were dull, lusterless. The ashen color of his face and skin had deepened. His arms appeared as weights well tied down. He could scarcely lift his legs while his knees were almost stiff, end quote. He wow. was he was dying yeah. as he's finished his legs. He also began hallucinating. And that when he was almost at the finish line, he thought, oh, my God, I have another 20 miles to go. <laughs> This is bullshit. <laughs> I, I cannot cannot do this in the 20 miles. No, you have like 100 yards, dude. Keep moving. He begged them for something to eat. He then said, can I just lie down for a while? <laughs> Could you imagine being almost going to win the marathon? Can I just have a little nap? Can I please Can I have a lie now? down? They gave him two more egg whites. Oh, God. And he, um, and, yeah. and I guess I guess just before the, for the uh, stadium, there was a, a couple of hills. And it was just brutal going up. But then on the way down, he was actually able to bring back a jog. He's basically been walking for yeah, a while. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's almost like speed walking, I guess, maybe. Yeah. And he finally is just shuffling on the, uh, when he gets into the stadium. So what happened is that two of his trainers picked him up and they carried this man over the finish line as he kicked his legs as if running in the air <laughs> like a dog in a dream. So he was declared the winner. Yeah. Wow. Two people carried his ass over the finish yeah. line. I'm so I know you're kicking your legs, Thomas, but you yeah. were carried up. So he was carried over and it's like they already had one guy just DQ'd for Faked driving it. cars. Yeah. Like, you know what? You won. Four doctors rushed over to him. It took them an hour for him to just be healthy enough to leave. The stadium. Wow. He lost eight pounds during the race. 
Wow. Oh my God. And he said, quote, never in my life have I run such a tough court, such a tough course. The terrific hills simply tear a man to pieces. That's another thing too. I should have <laughs> wow. said that, that it, it ran over significant hills. Uh, along wow. the way, the course did, which is just, again, you don't so do that. So this was a torture. Yeah. It was absolutely torturous. It was brutal and beyond physically demanding. Not just the, the, the course itself would have been horrible without the 100 degree weather. Mm-hmm. A guy named Albert Corey finished second at three hours and 34 minutes. And about 13 minutes later, that Newton, I think it's Frank Newton, he, he finished third. Felix Carvajal, he recovered. He took his nap. <laughs> Fourth place. Wow. wow. Just out of the medal count, but. Very impressive. Technically, he should have been bronze. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The guy, Len Tan, Tanyane, who had been chased off the course by yeah. Feral Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Ninth place. Okay. And his co-countryman, Masciani, finished in 12th place. So they finished. Wow. Uh, that was it. More than half the, the entries did not finish. Yeah. It was the worst finishing in the history of the Olympics yeah. of the marathon. Sounds like it. Uh, the, some of the people who did finish also, by the way, hours, literally hours later. It's like, oh, we were just packing oh. up. It's dark. I took the balloon <laughs> yeah. arch down. <laughs> and he was gone. <laughs> so Sullivan, of course, James Sullivan, the guy who, who was in, in charge of the sports sporting events, he yeah. claimed the marathon was proof of racial superiority. The fact, Despite the fact that two black South Africans yeah. had finished ninth and 12th, one of whom was chased by feral dogs. Yeah. So I'm not sure and how that were- works. They were just said like, "Hey, you want to join?" Yeah. yeah, they weren't trained. And they had there was one white runner from South Africa. His name is Bertie Harris. He never made it to the field. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave up and walked away. So again, it was a, it was the lowest percentage of finishers in the history of the marathon in the Olympics. Two days later, the St. Louis Post Dispatch called it a man killing event, and they said that. Um, and, and a lot of the Olympic Committee members were demanding that the marathon be taken out of the Olympics because it's just considered too grueling and dangerous. Yeah. A quote, a 25-mile run is asking too much of human endurance. So, wow. no. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never catch me doing that. James Sullivan was still part of the American IOC. He became a, a, important. He was um, disappointed. He, he, I, he became part of the planning for the 1908 Games. I'm sorry. I, 1908 games were going to be in London. I, I misspoke earlier. 1900 was in Paris, France. Oh, sorry about that. So 1900 was Paris, France. The 1908 games were in London. They're already been planning for that at by this point. And he was able to. Hold on a second. Well, oh, then yeah. I I owe the um, Londoners an apology. Yes, you something. do. Because there's the French. Is like I, you know what it was. 1900 French ennui. There's a lot of ennui yeah. at the time. Uh-huh. So <laughs> in um, uh, James Sullivan, who remember who was a big guy, look, look, the marathon shows uh, the superiority of the white race. He, when, when people started condemning, he said, okay, no, you're right. Marathon's awful. Let's stop the marathon. <laughs> he tried to get it, he tried to get it taken out of the 1908 Olympics in London. He failed at that. What he did, though, succeed at was he was a crazy ass misogynist and he was able to bar any American woman from competing in the 1908 olympics that's so mean i think they're starting to open up some more events but to his great upset i'm sure 1908 saw the first olympic gold medal awarded to a black athlete his name is john taylor and he was a u.s distance runner and he was able to win a gold in 1908 the first first cool nice hicks who uh would um sorry thomas hicks would never run another marathon as long as he lived (laughs) he was done um, the lifetime ban for Fred Lors that he was given for ch- trying to cheat yeah. jokingly was lifted after a year. 
<laughs> and he ran at the Boston Marathon in 1905. It was a, it was like a band for all, all marathons. Yeah, all How marathons. Funny. Wow, I know. Faith Carvajal from Cuba. He continued to travel to, and do various long distance runs and marathons. He was in 1905. He went even came back to St. Louis for the inaugural All Western Marathon, whatever that okay. is. And the fall in 1906, Cuba sent him to Greece for this kind of an Olympic-like marathon event. But on his way to Italy, he disappeared. They thought he was dead. He was gone for a long time. They presumed he was dead. They had newspaper, uh, they had obituaries in newspapers. And suddenly, months, months later, he's back in Havana and he starts racing again. I'm going to say he did the same thing and he gambled. Whatever yeah. money they gave him, he yeah. gambled it away. Oh, yeah. absolutely. In the end, the U.S. won 231 total medals. Wow. 76 gold, 78 silver, and 77 bronze. This is the first time, by the way, they did call it the gold, silver, and bronze. Before yeah. that, like in 1896, they, you got the winner got a, a silver medal, and they also gave an olive branch, and they gave a diploma. Oh. <laughs> in 1900, it was also uh, 1900 in Paris, it was a silver medal. Though some of the sources I said said it was gold, and then they gave like another silver and then a trophy. In 1904 was the first time, I, from what I can tell, the first time it was gold, silver, silver bronze was 1904. <laughs> uh, and uh, even then, though, in a lot of the events, they weren't given medals. They were given just a little trophy or something like that. Not every event got a medal. Right. But this was the first time it was kind of um, you know, established that that was the order and that the, the major events at least got those medals. So 231 total medals for the U.S., 15 for Germany, placing second, hmm. six for Canada, and then so on, including one for France. They want a, they want a single silver. And um, the Britain, the UK, won two medals, one gold, one silver. Both of those medalists were actually from Ireland. They're oh, Irish. Wow. Remember, Ireland is still part yeah. of the UK at this point. So both the British medals were actually from people who were Irish. Good for you, Ireland. And that is the story of the 1904 St. Louis Olympics. The best, and still is, the best Olympics to ever grace the Olympic, whatever the... <laughs> <laughs> the best Olympics ever, that's you what think, I meant to say. I think it's the worst Olympics Oh, ever, no, come on. People the best. Chased by dogs. Yeah. I almost dying from a, from a stomach lining esophagus coated yeah. with dust. Cuban dude running in <laughs> yeah. boots and a billowy white pirate shirt. And then you get fourth? Dude, get, yes, you got fourth. Dude eating strict nine laced eggs. Another dude riding for, riding for 11 miles in a car and trying to pull off a Rosie Ruiz. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think this was the yeah, greatest. That's, that's amazing. The anthropology days. Those yeah. were. Have they made um, a movie about this? They really should. That yeah, would they be should. So yeah. interesting. That would be. Like even just the marathon alone. Yeah. Like not the whole yeah. 1904 Olympics, just the marathon. Have some background of the other stuff. Of you know, have, yeah. For sure, have a scene showing tug of war. Yes. <laughs> People taking tug of war seriously as an as an Olympic event, something like that. Um, but yes, definitely have. Okay, someone. Uh, okay, get on it. Have a real douche douchebag. Ray Fiennes can play James Sullivan. Mm. Oh no, he can play the Baron Pierre de Coubertin. Sure. Um, who can play the, the James Sullivan, the douchey, misogynistic, racist piece of shit? We'll, he, we'll he was American. Out. He was American. Yeah. Oh, who's the sideways guy? Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Carrie. I love Paul Giamatti. I, like I he know. Just he looks can, like he, can pull it off. he belongs yeah. in the early Absolutely. 1900s. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
I like it. We've done it. Hollywood. Fantastic. <laughs> You're welcome. We already did half the casting for you. You take it from here. Wait, Oscar, what's his name has to be in it. Oscar somehow. Isaac? Yeah. He'll Why be, Oscar Isaac? He'll be the, the Cuban man. <gasps> no, he's Oscar five Isaac's feet not Cuban, tall. Excuse me. He's, he's also five feet he's tall. He's also a little bit too The guy old. weighed about 100 pounds. <laughs> no. You're going to have to have a very slight person. John Leguizamo. We've, <laughs> we've got to... Yeah, actually, yeah, I mean, he played to the track. He can play. <laughs> I think we're going to have to find some role for Pedro Pascal because he should be in everything always. Oh, did I, I call him Oscar? Pascal. Oh, that's who I meant. Who? For Pedro who? Pascal? Yeah. Instead oh. of Oscar, Oscar yeah. Isaac? So you don't know the difference I, between Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac? I don't know Isaac. who Oscar Isaac is. They're best friends. But I know who Pedro is. They're best friends <laughs> no. in real life. Did you Pedro know? and Oscar? Or mm-hmm. as Gary calls Pedro him. Pedro is... And Oscar. <laughs> Chil- what is Pedro? Pedro's, uh, I think it's Argentinian? Chilean? Chilean? I don't know. So, what'd you think? That was interesting. I yeah. so. Never Hilarious. heard of it. Hilarious. I'd heard the Felix story. Yes. But, the Olympics. I know. Yeah, yeah, but uh, not the... The, uh, the dollop yeah. did an episode on the Olympic... On the, I'm sorry, on just the marathon mm. uh, a, a long time I ago. I think my favorite murder did, too. Did they really? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, there, was no there was no murder. They've expanded beyond Have they? just Apparently murders. So. Yes. Okay. There's only so many murders you can cover. <laughs> <laughs> We're done with murders. Murders are such downers. We've done all the murders, guys. Okay. They're going to start murdering people to have stuff to talk about. Yeah. Ooh, no, okay. Not. That sounds like a scream. <laughs> you know what we can have? Them too. All right. Thanks for listening. Nice. Until next time, hopefully you did enjoy that on a more, I don't know if uplifting is not the right, the right word. It's not exactly inspiring, but it, no one died. One guy almost died, as I told yeah. you, but no one died and, and it wasn't, uh, and there was a horrible racist event. Okay. It wasn't quite as positive as I made it out to be, <laughs> but still, hopefully that was better. On than, the whole. Yes. 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 All right. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.